Hey, good morning to each one, and a welcome. Um, Dwayne asked the question, if I mean, really got up and thank God for a beautiful morning, or in other words, and uh, I shared this in science class, and one of my boys on the way to church just out of the blue said, it's such a beautiful morning. And it was foggy, and just before that, I was thinking how dreary and how foggy it was. And so I felt convicted already this morning on the way to church, and I felt already convicted and blessed by the science school class. Thank you, Matthew, for, Matt, for teaching that. Um, and I maybe complain a little bit that superintendents are going too fast through Philipp, uh, Philippians. But anyways, <clears throat> I feel like we could go home this morning and feel full, feel richly fed, by the song services and these aspect of the service this morning. But this morning as I stand before you, the last message on child training, this one here is kind of taking the last message. The first message was on the mindset and how we view children. They're a blessing, a little review here. Um, the second message was on creating an environment that your children can flourish. The last message was training children with a vision in mind. Vision gives direction and a glimpse over life to make our goals and purpose become reality. Training our children without a vision for them is a sure recipe for them to end up in a place that will be way different than you are right now. What methods are you using to train children? Train your children and instruct your children. Do you have a vision for them? Training children is a spiritual battle, not just a physical one. God blessed us with children so that he can use them to penetrate the devil, the evil one. Children need to obey long before they can ask the question, why? So review. Last message was more on little children, little children that are in your lap. This morning's message is... Where's our mindset in raising children? A little bit more review on the last message. Are we creating a safe place, a peaceful place? Train them to share their feelings and not be controlled by them. Do you have a vision for your children? Today's message is training that builds relationships. The title of my message is training that builds relationships. What is the meaning of relationships? Anyone? What does relationships look to you? What does it look like? When you, when you think of the word relationship, what do you think of? <clears throat> your best friend? Where does your mind go? Any thoughts? Good things, not bad. Are relationships always a fun thing? A lot of work. Can relationships shape and shape and mold us in our journey? 
for the good or for the bad, right? Relationships, something that's dear to my heart. And, and I hope this morning I'm clear as I bring about some of my thoughts that, that I've been wrestling through. The meaning of relationships, the meaning of true relationships. A relationship is a way two or more people are connected or a way that they behave toward each other. It involves mutual respect. It involves trust. It involves support and a willingness to work together to out overcome the challenges. Now, this morning, relationships don't just happen. Relationships don't just say, okay, you're going to be going to this place and you're going to do life with them. Well, that's not how life works. You can do life with each other, but if you have no relationships, it's three times harder to do life. But relationships don't just happen. There's something you work for. There's something that you build. There's something that you develop. There's, it takes mutual respect and trust. It takes supporting each other and a willingness, a willingness to work together in the challenges that we face. Relationships. Relationships are beautiful for many a relationship means having a partner who is there for them through the good times and bad and who, can, who they can rely on for emotional support and companionship. This morning, I want to take that to our children's level. Are your relationships with your children, your small children, and as they grow older, will they, will they, will they have that emotional support? Your relationships, where they know that they can go to mom and dad in through the good times and the bad times, and they can rely on that. You know, that's what we are called to be for each other here this morning. And if we don't have them, then we need to get busy and get to work and, and, and do the work of building strong relationships. Before a child is born, before it's ever born, that child knows mom and dad already. That child knows its surroundings to the extent. That child knows, it knows voices. It hears things. It, it, it can calm that child depending on what mom and dad or the siblings are going through. Or it can work it up. That child already is relying on some form of relationship that it has already before it's even born. You see, God created us for relationship, and that is the number one reason God created man. That he could have a personal relationship with someone that was created after his own being. That he can personally choose to honor and glorify him. God wanted relationships. God wanted to converse with man. He created man in the garden. I think that's number, the number one reason he created man. He also created man for for to do the work of, of taking care of the garden. But the number one reason God wanted relationship with man. He wanted the closeness and a oneness with his own creation. And we this morning as parents, sometimes we can get this kind of turned around. You know, we, children are a blessing. And they're, yes, they're given to us by God. And yes, we want to give them back to God. And so we do the child thing. We do the training thing. We do, we do those things that we're called to do. And that's important. But let's not, re let's not forget that they are given to us, created by God, and blessed to us, that we too can have that oneness and a connection with them 
called relationships like God did when he created man. And as children get older, it is so important that we have relationships, strong relationships, good relationships that speak into our lives. And how we as parents teach and train our children will greatly impact, and I believe this from the bottom of my heart, will greatly impact how they respect and obey you when they're teenagers. It will either build it up or break it down, the relationship and how, uh, with your children. And I shared this, uh, I guess part of my struggle this morning is I don't have teenagers in our household. And I, I share this message from the standpoint of how I was brought up, the relationship that I had with my dad, and the dynamics of some of those things that I might bring in a little later. No home, you know, the first mention, I think I mentioned, no home is perfect. But I believe that God has given us imperfect, imperfections in our home. God has, he can use those imperfections in our home to create a perfect home. And yes, we all have our choice to make. And we need to reckon with that as well. As our children get older. In order for you as parents to have, us as parents to have an ongoing relationship with our child in our lap, you need to engage in training and teaching that child. Relationships are built. They don't just happen. It's hard work. To train is to do it over and over and over again. Training takes effort. It takes work for us as parents to, to train them. It's over and over. A line upon line, upon precept upon precept. It's a repeating of things that's over and over again. Training equals patience, or patience takes patience to train. And as you do that, let's have the vision that as we train and as we do these things repetitiously over and over again with our children, we're not just training them, but we're forming a relationship with that child. As we're doing it together, training involves us doing it with them over and over and over again. Teaching. To teach is to, make, to make, take the time to explain the importance of what we're trying to train them to do. Teaching takes time. You know, it's easy to sometimes fall in the ditch of just training. You just do as dad and, and, and you'll learn it and, and someday you'll do the same. That's important. But let's not stop. Let's not take for granted. It takes also teaching. It's taking time when you don't have time. Stop and explain and teach. Teaching takes time. Training takes patience. Teaching and training our children form relationships. It's so important. Remember, more is caught than taught. In order for us parents I'm going to shift the, my, 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 my thoughts a lot back and forth to us as parents again. 
In order for us as parents to have good, healthy relationship with our children, we need, first of all, to have a relationship with our Creator, God. Proverbs 3 there, what Dwayne read. It says, my son, forget not. There's instructions here. Parents, listen up. Forget not. Don't forget. We talked about that in Sunday school class. Bind them about thy neck, the truth, mercy and truth. Bind them about thy neck. Write them upon the tables of thine heart. You can't teach something unless you possess it yourself. You're not going to be effective. And you know, sometimes that mercy and truth that's bound around our neck is heavy at times. And he talks about it later on in the chapter. It says, trying to find that verse where it says about 22. And, it, and, so shall, and so shall they be life unto thy soul and grace to thy neck. You know, sometimes mercy and truth are heavy. Sometimes, sometimes, it's, sometimes it's hard to, 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 to stay the course of truth. And sometimes it weighs your neck down. But if we do, it will also minister grace to us. In life. I love that. And the, the, the connection between those two verses. Write them upon the tables of thine heart. Thy tables of thine heart. You know, if we have them bound around our neck, that's for your children to see. Your children will see that. Your children will feel them. You'll be very much aware to your children that dad or mom is wearing them around their neck. It's an outward sign that dad is believing what's inside his heart. But we can't expect them to wear them on our neck if they're not wrote, and wrote within our heart. And as we write them on the tables of our heart, ingrain them in that heart like, like God did with the tables of stone with Moses. Engrave them in stone. They're written in there and we believe in them and we embrace them. We wear them about our neck, not for ourselves, for the sake of ourselves, but for the children's sake. They can see them. Trust in God with all thine heart. It takes so much trust sometimes to just trust him. Then let's not fall in the, in the, in the, in the mind, in the pit of, Leaning on our own understanding, but lean on God's understanding. Lean on God's word, God's methods, God's ways. And then acknowledge him. You know, as we do these steps in front of our children, we develop a fear of God within them and strengthen the fear of God within us. And it will help us not to ever depart from evil. It'll help us to honor God. It'll help, it, our barns will be filled our, 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 and be bursting with plenty. And you know, our children will look at that and say, yeah, dad was successful. No, I hope our children look at them and say, you know what? God has blessed dad. It's not what dad has done. Yes, dad had a part. But it was God's working because daddy's heart was engraved With God's truth. And he wore them about his neck. And everywhere he went. And everything dad thought. And everything dad did. Was in line. With what was hanging around his neck. 
And also kept them accountable for what he did and said. You know, as our children see dad trusting, as our children see dad and mom leaning on God's understanding, not our own, and as we acknowledge him, as we see, as we develop a, 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 and have a healthy fear of God, it will help them never, it will help them greatly to stay the course and not to depart from evil. Yes, they have a choice in it. We honor God with our substance. We honor God with the first fruits of what God blessed us with. And our barns will be filled. My son, in verse 11, despise not the chastening of the Lord. And I thought, you know, proper writer here, you were painting such a beautiful picture of how this looks to serve God. Your barns will be full. You'll have plenty. You'll be blessed abundantly. But you know, God wants us to also use us so that our children can see a picture of how it is to go through hard times, the trials, through relationships sometimes that are hard to engage in. For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth, even as a father correcteth his own child, uh, even as a father, the, the son in whom he delighteth. God loves us too much. And you realize when we as parents realize that we are on a training ground, just as much as our children have been given to us to train, we'll be way more effective in training and teaching our children. We as parents are on a training ground as well. Happy is the man that findeth wisdom, the man that getteth understanding. Wisdom comes from a proper view of ourselves and the things that we go through, a proper view of them, inside the fear of God. And then understanding comes from experiencing them. And when our children can realize that we go through hard times, and that we can possess these hard times, these things that we face at times, and we wonder why, and we wonder sometimes how to go through them, When we can do them in the light of when we can do them in the light of pleasantness and peace that possesses our path, it speaks volume to those around us. Being filled, filling the spot where God has called us as parents willingly is important. Our children will pick up if mom and dad struggle with life. And that's okay. Because life sometimes is hard. It's okay. But are you struggling well? Are you pressing on? Will you be thrilled this morning that in five to ten years, the children on your lap, will you be thrilled if your children choose the same methods to struggle as they watch mom and dad struggle? Will you be thrilled to see them go through some struggles, the struggles in life? And choose the same pattern that mom and dad did. Will that make you happy? Or will it make you sad? How are you struggling? They are looking to us as parents to show them how to live life in this evil world. Our children, are our children, are your children seeing dad wrestle with a situation and still be at peace where, God, where, where dad is? 
There's something that we need to possess. The situation, the wrestle may be real, but when we can wrestle through them recognizing that God is who we trust, there's a peace about it that goes with us. And they see dad and mom not being afraid, but being willing to press on. Seeing and hear them pray and leave it to God. And in light of these situations we face, can we verbally, can our children hear us verbally speak some of these struggles? Can we be open to them as they get older, as they're open to us? Can we develop a relationship with them? They don't need the picture that mom and dad are perfect. They have that picture when they're younger. But as they get older, they realize mom and dad aren't perfect. And they realize that there's things that, that we struggle with just as much as they do at times. See, God is giving us those times as opportunities to show us, to show our children how to walk in faith and not by sight. We can have the confidence in God. Proverbs 3.26 says, For the Lord shall be thy confidence and shall keep thy foot from being taken. Can we show that to our children? Turn with me to Genesis. I want to speak here on the story that is, it's been extremely fascinating to me over the last number of years. And I don't know how many times I have been drawn to this story. Genesis 18. I have continued to, to read this story. And every time I do, I find more life in it. I find such a beautiful picture. Genesis 18. <clears throat> um, I'm going to read a... A few verses here. And my question is, can God say the same thing to you, about you, as he did, as he did, as he did, to, what he said about Abraham? Can God say the same thing about you as he said about Abraham here in Genesis 18, starting in verse 16? And the men rose up from hence and took and looked towards Sodom. And Abraham went with them to bring them on the way. This was after God, the angels came and told them that Sarah was going to have a baby at her year of her being her um, 100 years old. <clears throat> and uh, as the men went to leave, Abraham followed them. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do? You see, well, I'll keep reading. Seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I know him, that he will command his children and his household after him. And they shall keep the way of the Lord and do justice and judgment that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he has spoken of him. And the Lord said, Because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great and because their sin is very grievous, I will go down now and see whether they have done, whether they have done altogether according to the cry of it, which is come unto me, and if not, I will know. And the men turned their faces from hence and went toward Sodom. But Abraham stood yet before the Lord. I see a relationship here between God and Abraham. That didn't just happen. 
I see a relationship here. I see, I see I, if you go back and you read Abraham, make Abraham a study. I find it fascinating. And I, I, Abraham is a man of faith. And you look at Abraham's journey and how God called him out of his homeland. And, and he went to a place he wished not know where he went. But he traveled and sojourned. Abraham was in a training grounds. Abraham was being trained by God. And he valued the relationship he had with Christ, with God. You see, Abraham was a friend of God. He had a relationship with God. And it meant a lot to God. God said, should I keep this thing from Abraham? Or should I tell him what I have plans to do to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah? See, God wanted a relationship. God had it with Abraham. And, as, and, 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 and you know, God asked him this. And, and he knew, and I love verse, verse 19, for I know him, that he will command his children and his household after him. He knew Abraham, and Abraham knew God. Because God, Abraham actually pushed into and said, God, said Abraham drew near. And you know how the story went. He besought God, would you destroy it if there are this many people, righteous people left? You see, he wasn't afraid to ask God these questions because he had a relationship with him. And God wasn't afraid to let Abraham know what his plans were because he had a relationship with him. Abraham stood yet before the Lord. Abraham faced some serious, real trials. And we see his obedience and faith to, faith to walk through them was counted unto him for righteousness. Right living. We can see that God was training Abraham to be the father of a great nation. God was getting him ready. He was training and teaching Abraham, developing a strong relationship between him and God. God left him in on the details. But Abraham still had his part to do in keeping a, this relationship healthy. Let's turn over to Genesis 22. You know, in all the things that Abraham faced, I think this was one of the greatest tests of his faith. This was after he had sent his other maidservant away with her son. Verse 20, chapter 22, And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham, and he said, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here am I. Abraham's response was immediate. Abraham didn't wait to answer the call of God. And God said, take now thy son. Let this sink in. Take now thy son, thine only son, Isaac, whom thou lovest. And get thee into the land of Merah and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mounts which I tell thee of. You see, God left him again in a little bit of a detail here. Abraham didn't know if God was going to destroy Sodom or Gomorrah. He knew God wasn't going to, he knew God was going to keep his promise and not destroy him if there was that many righteous, five righteous were left. God said he won't destroy it. But Abraham didn't know if he was going to destroy Sodom or Gomorrah. Because he didn't know how many righteous were in. God did. But God still removed Lot from Sodom and Gomorrah. You see, Abraham was living among the heathen 
people that sacrifice their children to God, to their gods. And I can about imagine the wrestle that went within Abraham here when he was asked by God to do this thing. See, Abraham was left in on the details of what he should do and how he should do it, but he didn't know the outcome. But he had faith that God was going to keep his promise. He had trust in him. God told him that he's going to be the son. He's going to give him a son. He's going to be the father of a great nation. God promised him that. He didn't know how it was going to happen. He was just told to, to sacrifice him up. And Hebrews has said he believed that he could raise him up, even if he sacrificed him. You see what motivated Abraham? Abraham, it doesn't say that he waited a couple days. It doesn't say that he slept in the next morning. He said he rose up early the next morning. He sat on his donkey and took two of his young men with him, and Isaac, his son. And before he left, he split the wood. It says it clave the wood. You know, a lot of times in that day, the servants would have stunned the wood, would have split the wood and got it ready for the sacrifice. But Abraham did it himself. Do you think Abraham, as he split each piece of wood, realized that this piece was going to be used to sacrifice his son? You see, it was so sacred, he wanted to split the wood and not give it to his servant to do. And he rose up and went to the place where God had told him. There was a three-day journey. On verse 4, And on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto the young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I will and the lad go yonder and worship and come again to you. You see, he had faith there. He didn't know how it was going to happen. He had no idea what's going to come out of it. But he believed, and he had faith and trust. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And, took, and he took the fire in his hand and the knife and went both of them together. And that both of them together went, they went together in agreement. They went together in agreement. Isaac here had a huge part to do in this commandment that God had called Abraham to do. And we'll see that a little bit further here. And Isaac, and as they went, Isaac spake unto his father. I'm just saying this in my words. He says, my father... And you know, Abraham's response was, here I am, son. The words that were used, my father and my son, was a relationship. There was so much in that. Somehow Abraham had possessed the, the patience and the endurance of persevering through his faith and believing what God said. And it created such a calm environment for Isaac, his son, to not ask this question until now. He asked and he said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Do you think Abraham 
at that moment was wrestling within. I think he was wrestling. He knew who the lamb was going to be. He knew full well. Abraham said, my son, God will provide himself a lamb for the burnt offering. And so they went, both of them, together. Again, there's a relationship, there's a togetherness. A son that was willing to trust. A son that was willing to have faith in his dad. A son that was willing to, to, to just go on, even though it might have not made sense. You know, Isaac at this point, some writers give it that he was around 30 to 33 years old. The same as Jesus when he went to the cross. And they came to a place where God had told him of, and Abraham built an altar in verse 9 there, and he laid on the wood, laid the wood in order, that wood that he, he split himself, and he bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. Isaac had, Abraham being 100 years old, Isaac had, I'm sure, had the strength to overpower his dad. I'm sure Isaac would have had the strength to, and had the, the power within him to, to flee that altar. And I don't think Abraham just went and bound him up without any words. I think there was, some, there was, there was, there was a time when I think Abraham explained to his son what God had asked him to do. His son was willing to be used so that his dad can fulfill the commandment that God had called him to do. You see, Isaac had a great father to follow and to trust because his father followed and trusted his almighty God. Abraham showed us how to live in faith and be diligent in following God's commandment, even if it made no sense. He could have asked God why. He could have tried to reason with God, but he didn't. Abraham's obedience showed that he trusted God. Even when he did not understand, sometimes we say, I'm not going to obey or believe it until I understand it all. doesn't make sense. But that is to put yourself on an equal plane with God. You see, in order for Isaac to surrender, he first needed to be shown how this looks. You see the connection here? You see the importance of Abraham following God, trusting God, fulfilling the commandments that he was asked to do played a big part of Isaac's willingness to surrender and trust and believe what his father was called to do. And that forms strong connections, relationships. Isaac trusted his father and believed in him, even when it made no sense. Made no sense. Isaac learned that by example and how his father works, walked through this time 
with him gave him confidence that his dad was doing the right thing. What a beautiful relationship. Isaac could have walked down the trail of, of he could have forsook his father and said that he's, he's, he's like a heathen around him. The heathen around him sacrificed their children to, to other gods, but he didn't. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, again, we hear the response. You see, it was native tongue to Abram. It wasn't the first time. He said, here am I. You see, he had already developed a keen ear to God speaking. Do our children know? Do our children sense? Do our children know that when God speaks, that dad and mom move? Do they answer? Do we answer God readily? And he said, lay not thine hand upon the lad. And, do thou, and, and neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing that thou hast withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. Abraham lifted his eyes and looked. Behold, behind him in the, a ram was caught in the thickets by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. <clears throat> and he called the place the meaning of what he told his son earlier, God will provide a land. This morning, training that builds relationships. We as parents are in a training ground. And as we go through them, are we training our children Allowing God to use those things to train our children. You know, Isaac could have walked away from this and played the victim card. He could have walked away from this and said, Dad scarred him for life. He could have walked away from this feeling bruised and scarred. The vision of his dad standing over him with a knife on him, over him. He could have used that to hinder, it would have hindered him to be youthful. To be that great father, that great, to be that father of, of a great nation. But I believe all my heart, Isaac didn't do that. I believe all my heart that Isaac looked back at that time with his father as a strong, strong hold in his life to always, always say, here am I when God calls. And to always say, what God asks, I will do. I don't know what's going to be the outcome I don't know if it's going to make sense. I know it's not going to. But I'm going to follow him to the details. And in that, in that recipe, God can use us for his kingdom. He can't use the other recipe of making sense. He needs people that are willing to, to be used to walk that road by faith and trust, even though it doesn't make sense. And that is the greatest ground that we can use to teach our children. How it is to follow our Creator. Abraham walked by faith, not by feelings. He walked by faith, not by feelings. And we need to train and teach our children to do the same.
What a beautiful relationship. When we are willing to walk through those hard things that God has called us to, our children will have the strength to do the same when they are called to do the same. Briefly in closing, I was going to turn to the prodigal son and I'm not going to turn there. Yes, we can train and we can teach our children. We can walk beside our growing children. But they have the choice to make when not God knocks on their heart. But this morning, can we have the relationship and build that relationship that when God, when they choose to, to walk away from or make choices that are away from their values or make choices away from God, Like the prodigal son, I don't think his dad was perfect. Can we let these imperfections around us be opportunities, a training ground to be used to teach our children, build strong relationships, that even if they choose to walk a different path, that they still have the way back? And without a shadow of a doubt, they will know that dad and mom will be there for them. And not ever get the feeling like the older son had. I don't know how it would be to have a son to turn his back on God. You see, Jesus went that road. He had people turn his back on him. And we as fathers and mothers, we pray as we, as we have strong relationships, as we build relationships with our little ones, that when they come to the crossroad in life, and they come to the end of themselves, that they think of home, they think of the relationship, that it's there to pull them back. You know, I can just picture the father, the other prodigal son, every day praying and seeing a picture of his son walk out of his life. And I think every day he prayed and he looked that way. And as he looked that way every day, he dragged the vision and he dreamed of his son coming back. And he never gave up on it until it became reality. Praise God. Are you willing to do the hard work in building strong relationships? Remember, you can't help children if you don't have it first yourself. You can't help your children build a relationship with Jesus Christ if you don't have it yourself. You need a relationship with Christ. Is, is God the builder of your relationship? Let's lose these stories that God has given us in his Bible, in his word, to impact us, to build stronger relationships. Let's kneel for the prayer.
Our kind, righteous, eternal, heavenly Father, we come to you this noon's hour. Again, we thank you that you didn't give up on us. We thank you that you have created us for relationships. And Father, at times we do things that, that mar that relationship. Sometimes we, we find ourselves guilty for not doing our part, staying close to you. And God, we thank you that you're always at heaven's door. Waiting for us to turn back and come back. We thank you, God, that you have made a way that we can be your sons and daughters. Father, thank you for giving up your only son. Thank you, God, that, that you left him die so that he can rise again, that we can be new creatures in you. God, we thank you for relationships. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunities that you send our way. We thank you, Lord, for the times when we wrestle through life and the relationships around us help and support and build us each other up. Oh, God, give us a passion and a vision for strong relationships. Relationships that are honest with each other. Relationships that will do to, to have each other's backs and to engage in this spiritual battle that you've called us to. Relationships that, that won't give up on each other. We praise and we thank you that we can have these through you because you have set an example. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat>